something there. You know what? I think God had that worked out for us. Hear it twice. And uh, that is great. And I'm glad you did sing it twice. That's good. Not a problem at all. All right. Tonight, uh, just before we start, I want to put this first slide up here. And uh, you'll see it. And this is something that we're working through. Um, Our spring missions is coming. And uh, so there's a number of folks that are planning on going on missions trips and so the missions team has been working feverishly, and this is something that didn't quite make it to the uh, uh, annual meeting. And uh, so those are things that we're going to be looking at. You'll see there's three different trips that are going. Uh, there's one that's going to Texas, and uh, Keith and Beth and Colin, and they're recommending to give them $300 each for their trip. Uh, we've got a trip going to New York City, again, with New Brunswick Bible Institute. Bradley Bruce, does anybody know Bradley Bruce? And uh, he wrote us and asked for some funding. And uh, so uh, the missions team thought that would be a good thing to do. And then Jacksonville Baptist Church, uh, teens are going to the Bowery, downtown New York City. And uh, sorry, that blue's not coming out very well. Uh, but anyway, <clears throat> they are uh, planning a, a trip also during the March break. Sarah and Patrick will be going to that trip. And that's the funding that we would like to be able to give to them. This is the recommendation. And um, we wanted you to be able to see it, think about it, pray about it. And then next Sunday evening, um, we'll be voting on that. You'll see it in print in next week's bulletin. So uh, at least you'll be able to read it. But I wanted to give you at least some advance on that. All right. So that just gives you a little bit of an idea of some of the things that are going on. And uh, it's cool just to be able to see the number of people Uh, that are going out from this little church. And (laughs) that's not it. We've got summer coming, and I'm hearing there's a bunch going out this summer too. So you'll be hearing a little bit more about that during our April uh, Missions Emphasis Month. And uh, so that's really, really a blessing. So if you have other questions, feel free to talk to Vaughn or other members of the mission team, and they can bring you up to date a little bit on all of that. Okay, so we won't take questions here, but if you do have them, feel free Uh, talk to the missions team, and uh, we'll go from there. All right, let's pray together. And then as we pray, if there's someone that just, you're just right on the edge of your seat, something's going on in your life you want to share, I have a microphone. So we have the abilities to be able to hear what's going on. And so if there's somebody who would like to share with us this evening, we want to give you that opportunity. Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you for the blessings already this day just to be able to get away and to be able to be with your people. We thank you for our morning. We thank you for this afternoon and the various things that we've been able to be a part of. And then as we come this evening, as we prepare for tomorrow, as you tarry your coming. God, we know that these times are important for us to be able to do this very thing. And we pray and we worship and we sing and we hear the word of God. We are encouraging one another. And uh, we just pray that during this month, especially, that we would be thinking about ways that we can be of encouragement to the entire family of God. And now this evening, we commit the various ones into your hand as we've already been thinking of Matt and surgery on Monday. For those this past week that have undergone either tests or procedures, we pray for recovery for them, direction, of course. And for those that can't make it out, for those that are sick, we continue to pray that you would work in their heart and life, that they might sense your presence during this time and give them that extra peace that they need. 
We think of the upcoming prayer meeting at the Heartland School. We know this is a valuable opportunity for us as believers to be able to go into a place that normally is closed to religion, and especially Christianity. We thank you for this school, the opportunities that they give us, the open door to come in and to pray and to be able to be of an encouragement and an influence. And I pray that we will avail ourselves of that. God, we thank you uh, for the privilege to be able to do that. And then for the various things that are happening around us, we continue to pray. And we ask for our missionary family tonight, wherever they might be, the various things that they're involved in, that you will help and encourage them. We thank you for this group of men and women that are planning on going out in the next few weeks on missions trips scattered all over the place. We know there's last-minute things that have to be done. Protect them and uh, also just give them great wisdom as they prepare and be preparing those that they'll be ministering to. We thank you now. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. We've got a couple of minutes before we jump into our topic this evening. Um, Anybody who will be first? I want to drag it out, but if there's somebody just sitting on the edge of the seat, I'm going to give you that chance. I want to praise God. Anyone? Oh, way in the back. Hang on, Rose, I'm coming. Uh, just one item of praise and an item of prayer. Um, I went to see the surgeon on Friday regarding my shoulder, and uh, he is going to hold off for four weeks with physio. Hopefully that will fix it, and um, so I won't have to have surgery right away. An item of prayer, um, Stephen and Shelly in Ontario, Shelly had an accident, and they've written off their van uh, last night. She's been having quite a bit of pain in her right side, probably seatbelt bruise or whatever, but we could be in prayer for them because they're pretty sure that the van is a write-off. So um, Shelly and I think Hannah was in with her too. Hmm. Why don't we just commit them to the Lord right now? Dear God, we just uh, commit our brother and sister and family to you, Steve and Shelley and their family, and especially during this time, we thank you for safety. Um, it could have been a lot worse, accidents there on that busy highway in Toronto. God, we just pray now that you will um, encourage them and give them direction, wisdom as to know what to do, especially as it relates to the van and replacement, and uh, we just pray that you will give them that grace and strength and wisdom to know what to do. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Anyone else? Leave anybody out? Going, going, right there. I'm thankful for the family fellowship time that we had Friday and for those that were able to be out. Uh, What a great testimony for us as a church when the young people are as excited as the senior people to be together in one place and laugh and play games and, and enjoy one another's company. I think that speaks well of us as a, as a family of, of faith here. So we've got to do it again soon. And I beat Isaiah yeah, in chess. I did. I beat him. I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to just leave that one alone. All right. Well, we've been looking at Luke chapter 10 in the evening here, and uh, it kind of coincides with what we're doing in the morning. And uh, we've been working our way through this morning talking about salt and light. We come to this particular passage of Scripture, and we think our way into this, how God wants us to be an influence. It's both the inner and the outer qualities, salt and light. 
So it's more than just, you know, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. There needs to be the inner quality. When people give you the opportunity to speak, to be able to share from the heart what's going on, that's something that we ought to be thinking about even right now. Okay, as we we talk openly here in the house of God, but what about next week? What about tomorrow morning? What are you going to do? Are you ready? Are you thinking it through? And we started talking about living out our faith, putting boots to it. And we're looking at these two questions. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? This was the question that we kind of looked at last week. We found out that this lawyer had another issue he's trying to justify himself and we looked at it from the context of that passage and if you remember when we put it in context we see that there is a need for godly leadership today for laborers that are going to lead in this area of being salt and light there's rejoicing in serving Jesus the 70 went out and they came back and they were jacked remember And then following the passage of Scripture that we're looking at, we see that this is snuggled right in amongst a number of key events that's all talking about this laboring, this getting out, the message of Jesus Christ. And then we see the story of Mary and Martha. And to realize the value, it begins with worship. We've been talking about that with the Beatitudes, right? It begins with the heart. I can get up here and I can make a guilt trip. I can put you on one of those. I've been there, done it as a kid. Uh, I can remember sitting in services and we'd, we'd bring these guys in, these fire-breathing dragons that would tell us all these stories about reaching the lost. And it was almost like we were headhunters. And you had to keep account. We had one guy in our church actually say, if you do not witness to 10 people every week, I doubt your salvation. Oh, that was a hot service, I want you to know. When you live in the sticks of Maine, you're barely, you can barely meet 10 people in the course of a week. <laughs> what a guilt trip. I mean, when you're thinking from the perspective that I got to share, that's kind of like when you got to give somebody a Christmas present. That really takes all the fun out of it, doesn't it? Now, I understand there's a history here of this church, and I'm sorry I didn't know it. Valentine's. I've heard for 28 years People have come to the People's Church for the Valentine event, but I won't mention any names. Mary Mead. (laughs) Gentlemen, gentlemen, I hope, I hope it's not People's Church that's driving your Valentine. I think it's something that you ought to just do. That's just a hint, okay? Just saying. Don't wait. It ought to be something that is spontaneous. It comes from the heart because if you try to put it on, it looks like it. I can remember they drug us down to South Paris, Maine. I lived up on Paris Hill. Put us all in vehicles and they drug us down in the Sunday school bus and they put us out in the middle of this country way restaurant parking lot. There was 30 of us. I don't think there was 30 cars in all of town. And we had to go witnessing. 
I mean, it, it was like you had your, you know, the script, and you're working off in a cue card. I remember this one guy I was talking to, and I mean, his arm, it was, I was, you know, he was in the window of his car, and his arm was bigger than me. And I'm like, oh, God, why did you put me here? I couldn't get all the things together. I'm not making fun. It was a different time, different place. But I'm trying to get us to the place where we understand when Jesus came, it wasn't a bunch of rules and regulations. We'll talk a little bit more about that tomorrow. It wasn't, or next Sunday, not tomorrow, excuse me. Uh, We'll talk about that Sunday morning as the next paragraph that we look at in that section. He didn't come to abolish the law. However, there was something dynamic about him. We talked about salt and light, which is influence. He influenced fishermen. Man, if you've ever been around these guys, they are a hardy bunch. They have got to be something. They're like right up there with lumberjacks. I mean, they are rough, tumble. They are just tough people. And all he did was speak to them and say, follow me. And they dropped what they were doing and came with him. Wow. And they stayed with him right through. That, my friend, is influence. Salt and light are influencers that we can use in this environment. So the question that we kind of left you with last weekend was this. How'd it go? Who did God bring into your life last week? Have you stopped to think about it? I was just sitting there thinking, you know, man, that was a long week last week. There was a lot of things that were going on. And I can tell you the different meetings, and I can tell you the different programs, and I can tell you the different... But what about the people? Jesus was concerned for people. The kingdom of God is people. Right? And if we are going to follow suit, we too must be engaged with people. And that's where we are tonight. Who is my neighbor? It's not a topic that is just obscure. Time Magazine, a number of years ago, front cover, talked about this one. The goody goodies. I mean, it was an interesting article. But it's an amazing thing. People are looking for those that will be good to one another. They're looking for volunteers all over the place, aren't they? I mean, we are living in a world right now that desperately needs to have people that were volunteered to help out. Is there a week that goes by that you're not asked to do something? It's amazing. But this is different. And as we begin to look at Luke chapter 10, if you have your Bible there, let's look at this and read again. We started talking about the lawyer. We get down into the passage a little bit deeper. And he begins to tell the story after he's asked the question of, let's look at it, verse 25. And the lawyer stood up, put him to a test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said, What is written in the law? How do you read it? He answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, verse 29, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? 
And Jesus replied and tells this story about a man. A man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him, beat him, and departed, leaving him half dead. So we see that this man is walking away from the city. There's a lot of people, you can get into a lot of analogies here, I'm not going to bother. He falls among thieves, and we find out that they really put a whooping on him, and they leave him half dead on the side of the road, stripped. Verse 31. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place, saw him and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Let's talk a little bit about this. What does this guy remind you of that's sitting in the ditch? Is there any other stories in Scripture that would kind of illustrate this same point? I've had a little jump start on you then. What comes to mind? Is, is this just a random thought? Or could this possibly have happened? Could very well have happened. I mean, pretty bad stretch of highway from Jerusalem to Jericho. But do you think of anything else? Maybe that Jesus taught. How about the prodigal? I mean, Luke chapter 15, a few more chapters down the road, we're going to see him use another little story, and it's going to be a similar situation. But any differences between the two? Okay, one was a victim of others, the other was a victim of self, but they both were victims, and one couldn't help himself, and the other one came to himself. Okay, so you got, you, you, you're working all right? Anything else as you think about that man that we need to understand a little bit about him? What goes through your mind when you think about a guy that's in this kind of situation? Yes. Oh, there you go. She read my notes. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Because that is probably the key point here. When we start thinking about others and we start talking about our neighbors, there's one thing that we need to be reminded of, and that is, are we any different than they? Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And it reads like this. And you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not 
a result of works so that no man may boast. Do you see the comparison? Help me out here. How does that man look to the way we looked before Christ? (laughs) He's half dead. We were fully dead. That's a good comparison. So we're actually in worse shape. All right? Someone else. Helping us to understand our neighbor. We're trying to figure out who is it that we are to reach. Sound like a good lot that you really want to, you know, bring home to mama? Pretty interesting analogy here that he's using. As we think about this, our view of our neighbor will have tremendous bearing on whether we reach out to him or not. True or false? It's imperative that we move from that ugly-looking situation in the ditch and be reminded of exactly who we were before. Or we are probably going to be just as guilty as the next two men were. And we see that as we take a look. Let's take a look at our neighbor, and we realize there's a few things here. He's been taken advantage of. He needs help. He's hurting. He cannot help himself. He's half dead. He's going to die without our help. All of a sudden, he appears on our path, and he needs me now. Would you say that's the plight of that guy in the ditch? Is that the plight of your neighbor? Who is your neighbor? We're not talking about the guy that just lives next door to you. Okay? Everybody okay with that? You got that one. This little broader concept here. And maybe it isn't even the one that's living right next door to you that you've been spending all the time on. There's something about this particular individual that comes to the forefront and it's the great need that he finds himself in. Have you ever witnessed a people and they really don't respond to you? wonder why that is. Because they don't need us. But have you ever gone to somebody who is in desperate need, who is half broken and their life is a shamble and all of a sudden you end up at the right place at the right time and it's like you don't even know them, you've never seen them before and all of a sudden it's like, there is a major connection. Well, we see these three guys. How are we going to respond? We see in the text. As the text continues to work our way down through, we see the certain priest and we see the certain Levite. It's interesting, by chance, a priest was going down the road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Isn't that delightful? I mean, the priest? Wouldn't you think... 
Of all the people in the category, would you th- why would he be the most likely to stop? Wouldn't it be like Rose in her uniform and sees somebody laying on the side of the road and she looks and says, hmm, I think they need help. And keeps on trucking. Probably she went and dialed 911. I don't know. But it's like, what is that? I mean, how many, you think about all the training, all the things that we've had, all the number of services that we've said in the Sunday school classes, the youth groups, and all the things in preparing us to go out. You would think that we would be equipped and ready to roll. Then we see this Levite. He does a little better. He at least pauses long enough to go over to the side of the road and get a good look. Maybe, I don't know if he was checking his vitals, I don't know. But he saw him at least, and he passed by on the other side. The Samaritan, finally, we get there. And as he journeyed, there's a difference here. It's like, as he journeyed, to me, means it's like, this was like the person that has the emergency kit in the trunk. They always carry it with them. As he journeyed. It's the individual that's aware, that's, a, that's understanding the needs of people, being able to sense where need is as they journey and as he journeyed he came where he was and when he saw him he had compassion all three saw the individual in the ditch but only one went to him and the word is compassion anybody want to try to define that one for me tonight what is compassion Caring enough to do. Very good. Anybody else? Did the first two guys have compassion? I bet they went home and said they had compassion. Probably one put it in a sermon illustration or something later on, right? It's easy to talk, but it's going to be shown by our action. That's what we've been talking a little bit about on Sunday morning, right? In the Beatitudes, from the standpoint, you have that inner quality that begins to overflow in action. It's something that comes from God Almighty. It's not something that's put on. It's something that you don't know when it's going to happen. But when it does, you're ready. Why don't we get involved with people? Anyone want to help me out? What's the excuses that we give? It's messy. Too busy. Nobody else does, so why should we? Too busy, too tired. I got no resources, someone else will do it. 
we look at compassion and we see it all throughout Scripture and we know that we need to do it, the question is, will we? I could give you it in the Greek. I could give it to you in the Hebrew. I could give it to you in the King James, the NIV, the Amplified. I can write it on everything. But you know what? This week, God wants me to be salt and light. God wants me to be like that Samaritan. And it's got to begin right now. There's a preparation, right? It's one of those things where we're looking for it. We're waiting for the opportunity. Because if we're not careful, we're going to look like this. You ever heard this little story about everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody? It's a story about four people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There was an important job to be done and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. Cute, but so true. Who is our neighbor? It's somebody that's in desperate need tonight. It's somebody that has been victimized by sin. It's somebody right now that's half dead. It's somebody that can't help themselves. It is somebody that God is going to put into someone's path this week. Are you excited? It could be you. Are you ready? I mean, this guy wasn't a nurse. He was just a Samaritan. He did what he could. We'll look at that next week. But this week, I want us to stop right here and to pray that God would use us. I'm just thinking about this week. Some of you are going to be at the hospital. Some of you are going to be at, at this meeting. Some of you are going to be at a basketball game. Where are the different opportunities? We're going to be down at the Heartland School on Wednesday. I mean, it's, it's like, what's the opportunity that God is going to bring into your world this week? It could be the delivery person. It could be the mail person. It could be the irate neighbor that comes over to you and tells you to get your dog out of his garbage. Who knows? 
But if we look at things from God's perspective now, maybe it could give us a jump. And instead of being like a priest or a Levite, we're like that certain Samaritan who said, hey, I don't know what I'm doing here, but I'm climbing in the ditch with you. What can I and how can I pray for you? What a wonderful opportunity. Salt and light? Cool. Two little things. Major emphasis in our world. Let's stand together. Close in prayer. Dear God, we thank you for the opportunity this evening quickly to look at a view. Just be reminded again, basic text. Nothing earth-shattering. But when it's energized by your spirit in our lives, we know this is exactly what you were attempting to share with these people then. Their world would be shaken. And we look at what took place following your resurrection. And you left these people. And within a 30-year window, they won their world for Christ. They were tremendous influencers for God in their community. This week as we go, may we be the same for your glory and honor. May people know that we've been with you. May it be that inner quality that they understand and see. And then the overflow of that in our world. May it attract people to you. God, we thank you for who you are and for all that you do in our lives, what you've done, knowing of where we were before we accepted you and where we are today. It's the least we can do is to let our light shine for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen.